My name is John Mueller. I'm the lead pastor here at Sunlight Community Church, and I'd like to welcome you here this morning. I'm excited, but also sad this morning, because this is the last week of our Circle series. Can anyone go, Oh, I love this series. I've been so excited, and we're going to be in 1 Peter this morning, 1 Peter chapter 4, and if you have our app, it's the link at the top of the feed. This series that we've called Circles is, is more about how are you going to live out what we're talking about in your circles, in your family circle, in your work circle, in your school circle, in your community circle. And today, the reason hospitality is the last theme that we're talking about is it covers all the themes. You need all the themes to be able to have hospitality. And so we're going we're gonna to actually... Think about one, one simple question. How do we invite total strangers into our space? And you're not going to get all the answers from me today. I'm asking God to do that in your heart. But, but how do we invite strangers into our space? That's the question we're going to answer. So this message I, I call true hospitality. And when I hear the word hospitality, I think of a whole industry in our culture that's like hotels and resorts and bed and breakfasts and you know, kind of the list goes on there. Or maybe, maybe you think of this. What if I were to say, I'm going to say one phrase and you tell me where it's from, okay? My pleasure. Wait, oh, that's not loud enough, guys. Come on. My pleasure. No one ever go to Chick-fil-A? Come on, Chick-fil-A. So you think of Chick-fil-A. When I think of hospitality, I think, oh, Chick-fil-A, because they say my pleasure. You know, it's like, oh, this guy doesn't even know me, but he's, he's pleased that I'm buying food from them. Oh, this is cool. And I feel great about myself now. Because that's hospitality. That's what, as they serve you, they say, my pleasure. But the word hospitality comes from this Greek word called philoxenia, which means brotherly love for strangers. Brotherly love for strangers. And so I learned about hospitality from my parents. We had people over all the time. And I, and I, I remember going with my dad to the store once, and we had this, we had this singles group that met at my house, and it got to the point where our basically about 1,200 square foot house on a postage stamp, there was, there was only so much space. There was two rooms we could fit people in, and they weren't really that big, and we needed chairs because we didn't have any chairs. So we're out at the store one week, and he buys 30 chairs. And they were the like plastic white chairs that people stick in their yards. You know, they weren't fancy, okay? So we had those inside our house. They're really outdoor chairs. Inside our house... And, and we, would, we would fill those chairs, but we would also fill our space. So we used those chairs, and we'd have, if I were to give you, like, the dimensions of our house, it's not really that large. There was one room like this, and there was another room here, and then there was a back door to a backyard that was 20 feet deep. It wasn't really that deep, and we had a pool, so it was really no space at all. And so we'd fill all this space with chairs, and people would be in the backyard while we had this college and singles group, and we'd open the windows, and my neighbor, we had to apologize because we were too loud because we were singing praise songs, okay? And we're at our house. And we, my parents would open up their house every Friday for three years till midnight. Midnight. Then we'd have to go to Denny's, but that's a whole other story. So it'd be till midnight. And so they would open up their home, and there'd be so much space in my parents didn't know any of these, these people, you know, whatever you want to say, these people. Because it was people that I met at college, there were people other people met at college, we just got together, we did a Bible study, we sang worship songs, 
But by the end of those three years, most of the people that spent time there called my parents mom and dad. And I thought about it later, and at the time it was like, no, they're my mom and dad, come on. (laughs) But I thought about it later, and I realized that really was the core of hospitality in their life. Brotherly love for strangers, making people feel at home. The culture of hospitality and inviting people into your space is, is really actually foreign to most Americans. An author put it this way, and I think this kind of gives us a framework for what it means to be hospitable. Christian hospitality has always had a subversive, countercultural dimension, and they simplify it. Hospitality is resistance. You're resisting your own desires. You're resisting the desires to, to keep your space your own. And you start realizing, oh, I can use my space that I have for others. So it's resistance to what the culture is telling us. The culture telling us to build our own personal empire. It's almost like your house is a, a castle with a moat. Well, I don't want anyone touching my stuff. We have, we have our circle at our house, and the kids go in the basement and destroy my Legos. And I'm like, I know, I just said Legos. That's nerdy already. But it's like whatever your thing is, someone at some point is going to mess it up. Someone at some point is going to pour red drink on your carpet. Someone at some point is going to do something that you freak out about. But we can't not be hospitable. We can't close our spaces up because I'm going to have red carpet. If that was the case, we wouldn't even come to church because guess what? You're touching the carpet. Like we wouldn't even come to church. We'd be done. The environment of this world is negative. It's polarized. There are people at the extremes of every issue. Everything is divisive. It used to be you could only not talk about religion and politics with family, right? Isn't that what people said? Now at family gatherings, you can't even talk about the weather. Okay? So, so what, what is changed in our culture? And it's really, it is resistance to everything you're around all week if you actually commit to hospitality. Hospitality is what Christ followers do when they look past this this polar differences and they open up their home despite the differences in their viewpoint. Jesus did this so many times. This last fall, we we had two weeks where we talked about hospitality. And I'm not going to recap any of that, but I'm going to tell you something from that. An example of this is when Jesus goes to Zacchaeus and says, Can I come to your house? And that seems pretty normal, right? I mean, haven't we invited people over and hung out with people? That's pretty normal. But there's a difference. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. He was a rich man, and he took advantage of those around him. So he's like the person that no one likes, but has all the power. We see this example, and Jesus goes to his house, and the Bible says... Something that I think we miss. Zacchaeus received Jesus joyfully. They spent time together. And Jesus made Zacchaeus feel at home. Instead of making Phil like the outcast, he felt at home. And Zacchaeus responds by feeling honored. Which really was the theme we talked about last week. He felt honored by Jesus. Jesus was hospitable and it created this greater circle 
that could be reached with the gospel. And it kept being increased. We can't forget what happens at the end of what Zacchaeus does. He actually gives the money back to the people he cheated, even more than he cheated them out of. That's the response when we, when we live life with hospitality. So now, as we turn to 1 Peter 4, there's literally one verse here that is more important regarding this than almost any verse in the Bible. There's so many circumstances. Lot invites angels into his home. There's, there's spots in the Old Testament where if there wasn't hospitality, the nation of Israel wouldn't be around. So think about this. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. And we are going to start in verse 7. So 1 Peter 4, 7. Just read through verse 9. It says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Remember, translate in your brain, every time you hear hospitality, brotherly love for strangers. It's not about hanging out with your friends. Simple as that. So the start of hospitality is being self-controlled and sober-minded. Controlling the thoughts that might enter your mind to judge others. Oh, I had a bad experience with someone at this gas station, so I really don't like it. So if someone's there, I'm not going to talk to them. Or I had this person do this to me, so every person that's an accountant, I never want to talk to. If you're an accountant, sorry, I'm just using that as an example. So if you're... If you're if you're like, man, I had a bad experience with a coach, so I'm never playing sports again. Like, it doesn't always make sense. So controlling the thoughts that might enter in your mind to judge others and being sober-minded about strangers that you don't know yet. There have been studies done that if you walk up to a situation and you see someone's car that they drive, you're already making a judgment about them. How many of you have not invited someone over because your house is a mess? I'm confessing. Anyone else willing to confess? I want to see some hands because I know that. Because you're afraid of what people might think. But if you're hospitable, it doesn't matter because guess what? You're not there to be judged or judge others. You're there to open up your home and show those people Jesus. I'm not making a judgment about you if you didn't do that because, hey, I raised my hand too. Okay? But I'm saying... There shouldn't be these barriers. So when we're sober-minded, and, and he says something right at the beginning here that we might have missed. It says, why is this so important? Well, that's the question I want to ask. Why is it so important? The world is going to end. <laughs> Man, Peter is just going right at that real, like, pessimistic tone. The world's going to end, so guess what? Be self-controlled, sober-minded, because the world's going to pass away. Nothing's going to be left. So hospitality is self-controlled and it's sober-minded. We are controlling the fact that you're not going to prejudge people. You're not going to sit there and say, they only shop at Walmart. They never go to Meijer. I don't know if I can have them over. Have you seen the clothes that their kids have? I mean, I don't think they ever wash them. See what I'm getting at? Doesn't that sound really judgmental? I mean, like, really, really judgmental? Hospitality starts with prayers. Praying for God to bring those he decides that you can
can make feel at home. It's hard, it's hard to feel at home. It's incredibly hard to feel at home. Church, we need to create an environment where people feel at home. If it's the first time you're here this Sunday morning, we want you to feel at home. We want you to know that you belong here. Because an environment where people feel at home is an environment where people are thinking of others first. This is all stuff that we've been talking about. Then it starts with questions of curiosity. I'm going to pause because every time I go out in public, I ask curious questions. Because I see curious things that I want to know more about. I think, hmm, why is that person doing that that way? Hmm, I'll ask them. My wife's like five aisles down with four kids going, what took you so long? Well, I asked this random person this thing, and it was interesting. And And she's like, focus, okay? Right? And what I mean is, when you start asking a question about someone else, the reason it took me so long to catch back up there in the grocery store was because nobody, nobody I've ever met does not want to talk about themselves. If you ask the right question, they'll talk your ear off. It doesn't matter, introvert, extrovert, whatever your type of person I is, you're really reclusive. It doesn't matter. If you ask the right question, someone is going to talk about themselves. It's just going to be. So how can we create an environment like home if you don't know what home is like? And you have to be curious to know what home is like. And that starts with knowing Jesus Christ. You might, you might be saying at this point, I know what home is like. And it's not where I want to be because I don't like home. My home life's not ideal. It's not the one I wanted. The home I'm talking about is the one transformed by the love shown by Jesus Christ that is shown by the gospel of Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross and the fact that he rose on the third day and we have new life. That's the life. That's the home that we're inviting people to. It's not a home without hope. I said, I made a comment last week about how my childhood was kind of chaotic. And there was different things that happened during my childhood. I, I basically, from the age of seven to about the age of 21, my dad went through a bunch of different health issues. And that really controlled our whole environment. And it wasn't positive for me in the moment. But I look back on that moment and I realize that God was slowly refining me in a very painful way to who I am today. And so we can't forget that this home that we're inviting people to is different than the one we potentially have. So that should drive us to think of hospitality this way. Hospitality covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. What that means is much like Zacchaeus. He cheated the people he was taking taxes from. If Jesus took that into account, wouldn't the The good Jesus say, no, I'm not going to hang out with this person. He's a sinner. No, instead, that's the very place he went to. It was very different. Hospitality doesn't look at what you might think or know the person has done, but hospitality is driven by the need to love others. This love that it describes is is a willing forfeiture. It's, It's giving up of your rights, your privileges for another person. That's really what we're asked to do in all our relationships. When you look in scripture, that's what parenting is. That's what marriage is. That's what the church 
is hospitality, and I say this only because I'm convicted by this, but hospitality is not making yourself feel at home. You know, like inviting people over to what you like to do. Hospitality is inviting people over to make them feel at home. And so that's totally different than making myself feel at home. I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, let's do this. I know that there's only six people in the room that like to watch soccer, so I'm going to invite all of you over to my house to watch soccer, right? That makes no sense because that's not hospitality. That's just saying, hey, let's do what I want to do. And so hospitality is completely different. It thinks of others first, and it looks at strangers, these strangers that you're saying, looks at them with hope rather than fear. There's hope there rather than fear. And so the thought is continued by saying, show hospitality without grumbling. I remember as a teenager, my way of showing dissent that's a word, big word I'll use. I'm trying to be fancy. You know, teenagers, they think they know it all. So I'm going to... My way of showing dissent was as I walked away, kind of grumbling like this. Like, yeah, I don't want to do that. You ever do that? Come on. Anyone talk under their breath? My kids already do it. So, you know, you kind of talk under your breath as you walk away. That's what this is talking about. And what's the opposite of grumbling? Hospitality requires joy requires joy. You can't walk away and be like, God, I don't want to do this. God, I don't want to do this. If you guys walk out that door and you're grumbling under your breath saying, God, I don't want to do this. This hospitality thing's not for me. Then it just makes me really sad because this verse is exactly addressing that. We, 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 we are not caring for others. We're muttering under our breath. We're not, we're, instead, we joyfully respond to others. We are Chick-fil-A. I know. I'm really going hard on the Chick-fil-A today. We are Chick-fil-A. We say, my pleasure. Thank you. I'm so excited you're here. Can we get some excitement? Oh, that was not excitement. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, there was like a wee. That, that was like a dead chicken, okay? Let's, let's go with a real chicken, all right? So, so can we get some excitement? Okay, so you're excited to see someone. And I'm not saying be fake. We need to be real, like, I've had a rough week, but I'm excited to see you. We're happy to help total strangers because we know they're children of God just like us. If we listen to the Bible and follow Jesus, we realize that despite all our sin, while we were still strangers, Jesus died for you and me and every single person on this planet. And we don't forget that. Do we always remember that? Don't we forget sometimes that Jesus died for others too? And I think it's because we need to be daily reminded of that. I love my wife because she's got the one thing I need. I call it the grumble meter. So she goes, John, you're just grumbling. John, you're just grumbling. It's almost like it goes off. And I'm like, and you know what? When you're grumbling, you don't want to hear that you're grumbling, okay? Anyone? And my wife says, you're just grumbling. And you know what? I've come to the point where I'm like, you're right. I need to stop. And sometimes, I think most of us, when it comes to grumbling or joy with hospitality, we need that other person in our life saying, I just need to stop. 
I need to live my life in joy. That's what Jesus has given me. There's strangers in my life. I don't know people. I don't know every single one of you sitting right in front of me as I'm speaking. But I'm going to be hospitable to everyone. We forget. James 1.24, it says that we look at ourselves in the mirror and forget what we look like. Talking about our spiritual health, like we look in the mirror and we forget what we look like. We walk away and we forget. There are so many things that we could forget, but hospitality is one that is so core. It might have been completely what Jesus did through his entire ministry. I challenge you to find any interaction where Jesus didn't show hospitality. He didn't know everybody. People were coming up to him, pulling on his cloak. They were dropping people in the ceiling, like down there. Everyone was a stranger. Everyone was new to him. And so we're going to look at the themes from the whole series and what that looks like with hospitality. What does hospitality require? And we have themes of faith, hope, grace, priorities, attitudes, adversity, integrity, diversity, and honor. Of all those, hospitality is a way we can live out every single theme in our circles. Every single theme. When we're feeling judgmental, we probably need more grace. We need to give people undeserved rewards. Hebrews eleven thirty one 31 tells us, By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Rahab's hospitality saved her life. Think about that. She's listed with the most faithful people and it still gives the description that she was a prostitute but yet she was hospitable because God asked her to. Those accommodations probably weren't very clean. She didn't have a lot of money but she invited people in so hospitality requires faith. Faith that God's will is better than ours. Faith that God is going to provide. Faith that God is going to move. Faith. And I really could go on forever. I could make a list of things. Faith, you could write that down. You can make notes. You can put it on your phone. These are the things that I need to have faith in so I can be hospitable with the people around me. And then, Colossians 1.27 tells us there's a mystery. This mystery is Christ in you, inside of you. The hope of glory. Hospitality requires hope. Really, you could say true hospitality. The only reason we, we care for people that aren't our friends or family is because Jesus loved us while we were still strangers. And they might need that too. The only way we can have hope that turns into hospitality is we can hope that we are going to be used of God in their life. If we don't have hope in Jesus, there's no reason to be hospitable. We should keep to everything that is comfortable. Let's just be comfortable people. If we don't have hope, let's just do what we normally do. Let's not think about what God's telling me in my heart and my mind when I, I leave church on Sunday morning. Let's, let's forget about that. Let's not go to lunch and talk to other people about what I just learned. Let's not apply any of this stuff. Because we should just be comfortable. If we don't have hope, we should just be comfortable. Romans 5.15 tells us about the free gift of grace. And we need grace to be hospitable. Hospitality requires grace. 
Because you know what people are more afraid of than anything else? The fear of the unknown. And strangers are pretty unknown. There are other people that could hurt us. And we've been hurt before by someone that has a mustache. Or we've been hurt before by someone with long hair. Like we can apply those things. There's so many studies done on this. And we need grace. Hospitality is treating people like they deserve to feel at home even if they don't. Treating people like they deserve to be at home whether or not they actually deserve it. That's grace. Hospitality requires right attitudes. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is the outline for being hospitable. What's the last fruit of the Spirit? Last listed is self-control. Galatians 5.22 says, shows us hospitality, love for strangers, brotherly love for strangers can only come when we have the Holy Spirit. If we forget about the Holy Spirit, if you go into your week this week and you think, man, that was a great sermon, I really like hospitality, and I'm trying to figure out how to do this in my own life, but I'm not going to pray about it. But I'm not going to talk to my spouse about it. But I'm not going to talk to a friend about it. But I'm not going to, the list goes on, it's going to leave this room and slowly evaporate out of your mind. Hospitality requires overcoming adversity. James, James 1.4 tells us when we overcome adversity, we'll lack for nothing. We cannot love brothers and sisters in our life. We can't love, love strangers that way unless we overcome adversity in our life, in the lives of others. So here's a great example, and it's very simple. Hurting people hurt people. When I'm hurting, I really struggle to be kind. When I'm hurting, I really struggle to be hospitable. When I'm hurting, I want to do what I want to do. When I'm hurting, I just want to numb myself. When I'm hurting, and you could fill in the blank there, just like you did the faith thing. When I'm hurting, if you have a life does not focus on overcoming the adversity, the things that God has brought in your life, you're going to really struggle to be hospitable. And hospitality requires integrity. Titus 2.7, and we, we just talked about this a few weeks ago. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and your teaching show integrity. A complete model, a complete model of integrity tells us how to live out hospitality in our circles. If we're going to have integrity... We're going to listen to first-hand accounts. And even then, we're going to realize that's a perspective. When someone says something to someone else that says something to someone else that says something to someone else, a person with integrity doesn't listen to it. They go back to the source. Because it's like the telephone game. When I was younger, we played the telephone game. Anyone ever played the telephone game? Raise your hand. Anyone play? Come on, telephone game. Okay. So you stand on one side, and someone whispers something like, the blue cow went over the moon. Okay. And you say the blue cow went over the moon. And the next person's like, the blue cow went over the moon. And they can only say it once. And they say it again and say it again. And by the other end, you have the red horse jumped over the tree. Because it's just totally different. It doesn't even matter. Because it's too far from the original person that said the original thing. And by then, the message is already totally different. You have a misunderstanding. 
So if you're going to have integrity, you don't take into account things that are not first-hand accounts. Hospitality requires diversity. We just talked about having fear about people different than you. Hospitality overcomes that by having brotherly love for strangers. This, this diverse friend circle requires hospitality. A even more diverse community circle requires hospitality because you're loving strangers. Okay, let me, let me define strangers a little bit broader. Someone that is strange to you, okay? For men, this might mean every single female on the entire planet, okay? So someone that feels strange to you. You don't understand them all the time. For women, it might be the same way the other way, okay? But the reality is it's who feels strange. I know everyone's looking back and forth like, uh, who's he talking about? I'm not talking about anybody. Everything that is strange in the world to you, you're supposed to have a brotherly love for others that are strange, different than you. Hospitality requires honor. I think, I think what's important about honor, in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, tells us this. Contribute to the needs of the saints. That's your inner circle. That's the church. But then it says something that we don't, when we read this, I think we put it together. We just say, this is the needs of the saints, and this is just another part of that. It says, and seek to show hospitality. When I hear that, and I read that in English, I just think, Okay, let's be kind to each other. You know, let's take care of each other. Let's make each other feel at home. And that's completely outward focused when the first part was inward focused. And so outward focused, hospitality, love for strangers. Brotherly love for strangers. I had a very interesting experience when we had our third child. We went into the hospital and the doctor that was there was on call. I'd never met him before. He comes in. It's a little overwhelming because our normal doctor's really dry calm, you know, everything. This guy walks in, grabs my hand, he shakes my hand, right? He does this weird handshake thing, and then he grabs his other hand and kind of shakes my hand real good, and I'm like, hey, bring it in, bro. And I'm like, whoa, dude, we're about to have a baby. I'm a little stressed, okay? I don't know, my wife's stressed. I'm like, chill, like, calm down. But I realized in that moment, he was trying to make us feel at home, and I didn't even see it coming because I was so like, whew. It was a great experience in the end, great doctor. But I, I realized walking into that that hospitality has a trickle-down effect. You may not think hospitality really matters, but I'm here to tell you hospitality matters because it changes our mindset from focusing on us to focusing on others. I challenge you to read the Gospels and not find how many situations, and you'll find situation after situation where Jesus was hospitable. Love for strangers, meeting new people. And it changes our mindset from who, from, to who we are, from what we do. So it's not just about what you do, it's who we are. Who are we going to be, church? Are we going to be known in the community as, as people that love strangers just like Family? Are we going to be known this Thanksgiving as being, man, that's that crazy church that people invited other people over for Thanksgiving. They were inviting people over to family gatherings. Everyone's hanging out like they were brothers and sisters, but they're not even related. So there's a few things we need to know. We can only control our thoughts and actions. We can't control the thoughts and actions of other people. But you're going to spend your whole life trying to do that. 
Every counselor on this planet that speaks about relationships realizes that most of us, when we're struggling, we're focusing on other people and they're changing their relationships and how they deal with things instead of us changing how we deal with things. We can't control a guest at church. We can't control someone walking in the door. But we can make someone feel at home. And we can take them to where they need to go. We can help them find something that they're looking for. You know, when we, when we don't host people, when we don't look around and see that there's people that we don't know that maybe need help, usually people stand by the prayer wall there, or they stand by the connection center, or they stand by the donuts, and I can, I can sense them with my spidey sense, like from a mile away. That person is new. Sorry, new people, if you're here today, but that person's new. And it makes sense that I'm not the only one with a spidey sense, because, you know, there's a multiverse in Spider-Man now, so... There's multiple Spider-Men. So think about this, church. You have the opportunity to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to reach someone that just like you is in their first time at church, uncomfortable because they don't know anybody. You have the opportunity to become a friend to a stranger. When we don't do that, we miss the opportunity God's given us to invite people home. We belong here. I want you, everyone, to say that with me. And you're going to say it really loud because we, we tried earlier with the noise and it didn't work very well. So, so I'm going to say it again, but then you guys echo right afterwards. So we belong here. So we belong here. Okay, you belong here. Don't you want to make other people feel like they belong at home? There's so many old hymns when I was a kid that we would sing and it would all be about coming home. Because when it comes down to it, when you hear the description of heaven, you hear this description where there's no more tears, there's no more pain, you have a new body. All the aches and pains you're feeling right now are gone away because you're at the feet of Jesus worshiping. Isn't that what we're inviting people to? We can't forget that. After service, you know, the thing I struggle with, after service, there's so many of you that I love and I care for, but I don't talk to you after service because I see the person that I've never met before and I want to talk to them. And I can always call you or text you or you know, whatever, but the reality is sometimes that time is so focused on what, what is important, the hospitality. When we gather, who are you going to be the host to? Who are you going to encourage? Who are you inviting into your life? Hospitality, more than anything on this planet, is attractional. People are attracted to people that make them feel at home, but then don't know them. And if they do know them, they're even more attracted to it. Because, have you ever heard, I'm too far gone? Jesus can't save me. But people are attracted to hospitable people because they're inviting them in. They're inviting them to home. Let me tell you the most impactful thing in my life about hospitality. I've shared this story a little bit different before, but uh, my dad, when he was in his 20s, had a next-door neighbor that invited him over. They were a family of six. They had four girls. He was single. They invited him over for dinner. I think it was one day a week. I forget what the day was, but they invited him over for dinner every week just because he was the neighbor. And it was in their dining room that he prayed to receive Christ. 
because he saw something that was different. His childhood was marred with, with abuse. It was marred with, with people like left and right. His parents were divorced. He, he had all these struggles and he walked into a family that was married with kids that cared for their kids and he saw something so different, so dramatic that he prayed to receive Christ in that room and I'm standing in front of you because of hospitality. Because someone decided to invite the crazy single guy next door over that was rough around the edges I think about that and I realize that sometimes you might listen to a sermon and think Pastor John you can do that because you're a pastor or maybe I think you're an evangelist or whatever and you're like I'm not I'm none of those things you know those neighbors they weren't in ministry. The guy worked a normal job. The wife worked a normal job. The kids went on to actually be a part of ministries because of the fruit of their family. But if you think about it, you don't have to be anything special to show hospitality. But it does require a lot in your heart and your mind to transform you to say, I'm going to think about how others feel when they're around me. I, w- I want to make them feel at home. Proximity to other people breeds empathy for other people. Invite people into your space. And like I said earlier, these are questions we have to ask. Is your house a castle with a moat? Is it a place you just store your possessions in and don't let anybody see? Or is it ready for an opportunity to respond with hospitality? I can tell you when my dad talked about the story about his neighbor, and I met them. I grew up next to them, and I knew their house. When he talked about that neighbor, they never were, like, freaking out and cleaning up their house. I walked through the house, and it was a total mess. Like, I mean, but guess what? They didn't care. Not that they wanted their house to be messy. They just didn't care. They just said, hey, it matters more that the neighbor kid gets to hang out with us than the house is clean. If you don't, if still, again, I just showed you personal importance and experience in my life, but if you don't think this is important, just in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus experienced hospitality 94 times. 94 times in one Gospel. If we take them all together, it's probably a lot more. 94 times. He is telling us very clearly through his actions, through his words, don't forget to love strangers like brothers and sisters. Don't forget that. So I want to leave you with a question. The whole series comes down to this. Who are you attracting? What are you attracting? Are you attracting strangers? Are you willing to be hospitable? So what? You know what? So what? John, your dad, oh, that's great. That was years ago. Someone invited, oh, that's great. That's still not me. Hospitality is self-controlled, so sober-minded, and covers a multitude of sins. Think about that. If you are being hospitable, you are thinking about this in such a way that no matter if someone walks in your door and you know they murdered someone, Jesus still calls us to be hospitable and love them and care for them. Hospitality requires faith, 
hope and grace. We need grace and we need to give others grace. The moment I stop giving grace in my marriage is the moment there's an argument. I can trace it like the whole time I've been married. Moment I'm like, you know, I'm grumbling. You hear that grumbling? Hospitality grumbling. I get to that point and I'm not showing grace. And hospitality overcomes adversity with right attitudes coming from integrity. It comes from our integrity that we're able to do that. Hospitality requires diversity. And it requires honor. If you're only willing to talk to people that talk like you, that look like you, that have the same experiences as you, that went to the same high school as you, that work in the same job as you, that's not at all what Jesus has called us to. He's called us to so much more than that. Don't ever believe that that's where it stops. Don't ever believe that. God is so much bigger. And what he wants us to do in showing hospitality is so much greater than the small vision that we might have for what that looks like. This morning, I'm going to pray. And as we close our service, we're going to sing another worship song. And I want to challenge you. Pray in your seat. Ask God to open your eyes. There might be strangers right in our midst. There might be strangers that are in the community that you know. There might be strangers. There might be someone that needs to be loved and cared for, like a brother or a sister. Maybe you just kind of stiff arm that idea. But this morning, I'm asking you to let God open up your heart and your mind to what that might look like. Someone that feels left out. You know, the greatest compliment I, I received recently was my daughter's in kindergarten. And the teacher, we went in for our first, uh, what is it, like a teacher conference, parent-teacher conference. You know, those of you that are in the education field, I'm like stumbling over this. But we went in there, and one of the things the teacher said that I personally affected me more than anything like grades or behavior-related was the teacher said that my daughter always looked for the underdog and tried to help him. And I was like, man, I was so proud. The teacher's like, why is the dad crying? I don't understand. But I was like so proud. I'm like excited because I couldn't ask for anything more. She was showing hospitality to people that weren't like her. She was doing fine in school, but she was helping the kids that weren't. I love that. Let's be a church filled with that because that is attractional. People, you know, there was a book called uh, How to Win Friends and, and, and Influence People. Well, you want to do that, be hospitable. Follow Jesus. They invited everyone in that no one wanted to talk to. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, this morning as we continue to sing, show us, put in our minds as we're praying, faces of people that we need to be hospitable towards people that we need to grow in our understanding of help us to think of curious questions for people help us to be self-controlled sober-minded thinking about others first God we know that your Holy Spirit guides us so as we sing Help us to spread out all over the worship center.
just to pray in our seats, sing the song, respond to what your Holy Spirit is doing in our hearts and our minds so that we leave this week, we finish this, this, this series realizing that we have been given a great opportunity. Help us to take that opportunity and to love strangers. We say all this in Jesus' name.